In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord, with your permission, here exposed in the Blessed Sacrament, though not in the monstrance, our Lord is exposed here in the Saborium in simple exposition, as we call it. And, and the church does this, brings out our Lord from the tabernacle as a gesture of, of it's a very human gesture to try to be closer to him, even physically. We adore you, Lord, in the blessed sacrament, just like the apostles who came to you and were speaking with you face to face, talking about very personal matters alone, not with the crowds, but you, you would always take them by the ocean or by the Sea of Galilee or the mountain in order to be able to reveal to them extraordinary things. You would reveal to them things about their own interior life that would help them. And today we find ourselves not on a mountain, but here in the 16th floor at Murray Hill Place. Our Lord has called us also, and we have responded to come and actually begin the year with this recollection. Nothing better than to begin with our Lord and to talk to him about all our our resolutions, perhaps, that we have made, and, or maybe consolidate the resolutions that we, that we have nebulously made, you know, uh, in between um, champagne sips or something like that. But now we can actually take the time to, to think and pray and, and make firm acts of love. Well, today we want to pray about precisely what we find right here in front of us, which is the incarnation of our Lord, how our Lord came in the flesh. And he came and wanted to become like one of us in every stage of our humanity, from the very beginning all the way to death, from, as they say, womb to tomb, from being an embryo all the way to being buried and then beyond actually resurrecting and giving us hope that there is an afterlife. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, says the author of the letter to the Hebrews, Last of all, in these days, has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed heir of all things. So our Lord is the Word, the Word of the Father. He is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And the Word that is spoken, we can think of, of God the Father speaking His Word, which is engendering the Son, just like we engender our thoughts, right? And then once we have this thought, we, we put a voice to the words that we think in our minds. And then they travel through air and they come to, the, to our interlocutor and, and then, you know, uh, that person is able to understand what we originally had thought. Well, this is an analogy for what has happened with, with the Father. The Father has spoken His Word, but instead of putting a voice to His Word, He has actually dressed it up, not in sound, but in our humanity. And so, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past to the fathers, think of the Old Testament, by the prophets, Last of all in these days, meaning since, since the Incarnation, He has spoken to us by His Son. Lord, everything You do is speaking to us. Your very presence as a baby, like we have in this little statue in front of us, actually is shouting out at us. And as the late Pope Benedict stated, many times throughout his papacy, and it was basically a theme of, of the way he thought of the mystery of the Incarnation. He said, his way of being God puts into crisis or calls into crisis our way of being human. Think about that. His, his actions in coming down into our world calls into question my very lifestyle, our very lifestyle. Because if He, being God, did what He did, what should we do who are definitely not God? You know, we're a lot less. If He has stooped down so much, how much more should we stoop down to serve others? If he has, if he being God has been so humble and so charitable, how much more should we? Because his way of being God calls into question my, the things that actually I'm proud of. In, in, you know, um, I am proud because I accomplished this and I accomplished that. It's like, and somehow, Every time I speak about myself, I somehow are giving glory to myself and just ruminating over my accomplishments. And even if I did not accomplish them, I imagine a world where I would have accomplished them, you know. We do that all the time, you know. Uh, as, as a friend of mine said, we all have a little Steven Spielberg within us you know, playing the movie of uh, where we are the hero, you know, all the time, and we're the protagonist. <laughs> and, um, you know, like when you make a, a, uh, a great shot in basketball, the swoosh is always replaying in our mind, yes, 
that's a, a great memory that we have. And we, even if we didn't make it, we, that little Steven Spielberg that we all have within us actually makes it up in, our, in the movie that we play in our mind. You know, because we always like to think about ourselves as being higher than we actually are. In fact, St. Maria said, the greatest business in the world is to buy someone for what they're actually worth and sell them for what they think they're worth. You know, because you always make money, or nine out of ten times you'll make money. Because we always have a tendency to think of ourselves as higher than we actually are. But our Lord comes to call into crisis that habit that we all get into in humility. He has come in in humility, and again, like St. Josemaria said, more than on the stable and more than on the cross, in the Blessed Sacrament is where he shows us his greatest humility. Because, Lord, in the Blessed Sacrament, you appear to be silent and powerless. You do, quote-unquote, nothing. And yet, your way of being God makes me question the way I lead my life. Maybe I should be more silent myself. Maybe I should be, Lord, more contemplative. Maybe I need to pray more and learn from you, who stooped down, to use the words of St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians, where he, where St. Paul exhorts us to have the same sentiments of the same mind as Christ Jesus, who did the following. He, though he was by nature God, did not consider being equal to God a thing to be clung to, but emptied himself, taking the nature of a slave. And being made like unto men, appearing in the form of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Wow, Lord, if you have done that, I also ought to die at least a little to myself every day. Maybe I cannot die on the cross today, you know. Um, maybe that's impossible for me right now. But what I want to do is actually take a baby step towards that by dying a little bit to myself every day and hopefully promising to not think so much about my time, my my needs, my this, my that, but about your glory and about the needs of others who are my neighbor. The funny thing is, in this mystery of the Incarnation, when our Lord has come down into our world, He topples everything that we think is great. And Fulton Sheen puts it this way. Of every other child that is born into the world, friends can say that it resembles his mother. This, meaning the incarnation, the birth of our Lord, was the first instance in time that anyone could say that the mother resembled the child. This is the beautiful paradox of the child 
who made his mother. The mother, too, was only a child. It was also the first time in history of the world that anyone could ever think of heaven as being anywhere else than, quote, somewhere up there. When the child was in her arms, Mary looked down to heaven. Think about that. Normally we think of lofty, heavenly things, of God and things of, I don't know, being somewhere up there. But Fulton Sheen teaches us that actually heaven is right in front of us. And right now, actually, it is in the Blessed Sacrament, right exposed in front of us on this altar. And, and also the Incarnation tells us that if our Lord became a child, that means that heaven for Mary and Joseph was actually found in, in what? In changing a diaper, a dirty diaper. God with a dirty diaper. Can you imagine that? For them, the will of God was, and, and, and the greatest act of worship, we could say, was changing the diaper of a child, or feeding a child, or washing a child, or, or teaching a child the Hebrew language. And, you know, kind of, here's the word of God, and we're teaching, St. Joseph is teaching him how to speak. And here's the word of God through whom all things were made, as St. John says. And St. Joseph is teaching him how to cut wood and make a table or a chair. The creator of all things is being taught by a human person. Wow, that's humility. That's humility. Almost as if to say what St. Maria would later teach, that our sanctity, our call to holiness, is not in doing something that the world thinks to be heroic or extraordinary. Actually, who cares what the world thinks? What's important is that we live by the law of gift, the law of gratuity. And that's an internal law. When we make a gift on the inside, we then actually can sanctify anything that we do as long as it's not evil. So anything we do, even ordinary things, and this is what Our Lady and St. Joseph taught us with, with, their, with how they served our Lord in all these ordinary tasks, but they were doing them for God. They were all these ordinary things that they did to live an ordinary life. Cleaning the house, going to get water, living their profession, whatever it is that they did every day, which is not written in the Bible because it was so banal and so ordinary, that we have these 30 years of silence in the gospel where they skip from the infancy narratives all the way to the public life of Jesus if nothing had happened. But the 30 years passed by and we only see a couple of episodes when our Lord is at the temple, and that's it. But everything else is not written. But that silence is so eloquent because it teaches us that God went through all those stages. 
making them holy. And that we too can actually go through all those ordinary things in our lives, taking the bus, getting off the bus, you know, and um, going shopping and uh, working and staying a little late because we have a project that's due tomorrow. And I mean, all the, or, or, or stopping work because I need to get home and be with uh, the family and going to the t-ball game with my son or whatever it is. All those things could actually be sanctified. And, it, and that's the matter for my sanctification, for my holiness. And you know what? There's nothing to speak about by the world because the world will say, well, that's just ordinary. I know, but actually that was the playing field in which I won the struggle for holiness. It's not going to be a martyrdom with nails. No one's going to nail me to any cross, but I will get a thousand pinpricks today. You know, the rain and the whatever, and the little things. But do I offer them up? Do I, do, do I transform them into an occasion of love? That's living the incarnation today. That's, living, that's making Jesus present in his mystery, the mystery of his hidden life, here and now. And that's, that's how he came into the world. No one knew that this little baby was God because he was so ordinary. A few people did, but not many. Here's what uh, St. John Eudes says about this mystery. For the mysteries of Jesus, all the mysteries of his life, are not yet completely perfected and fulfilled. I mean, they are in a certain sense and they're not in another sense. They are complete indeed in the person of Jesus, but not in us who are his members, nor in the church, which is his mystical body. The Son of God wills to give us a share in his mysteries and somehow extend them to us. So all the, this mystery of the Incarnation, he wants to relive in each one of us. Everything he did with Our Lady and became, he became incarnate with our, in Our Lady's womb, he wants to become incarnate in the lives of each one of us. Our Lady said, let it be done unto me according to thy word. That's how she allowed him to come into her life. We need to do the same. We need to allow our Lord to come into our lives so that he can relive those mysteries again, or for the first time in, in us. He wills to continue them in us and in his universal church, says St. John Eudes. This is brought about first through the graces he has resolved to impart to us and then through the works he wishes to accomplish in us through these mysteries. This is his plan for fulfilling his mysteries in us. This is extraordinary. God wants to come to my life. He has taken notice of me. He desires to perfect the mystery of his incarnation and birth by forming himself in us and being 
reborn in our souls through the blessed sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist. He fulfills his hidden life in us, hidden with him in God. So all his hidden life, all those 30 years, he wants to relive them in our hidden life, in our ordinary life. Now that's amazing. Here's another quotation from Pope Benedict to honor him in the teaching that he gave us as we pray for the repose of the soul. The most profound interpretation of Scripture, he doesn't say it's theologians, even though he was a theologian, even though he came up with many interpretations of Scripture, he says, comes from precisely those who let themselves be shaped by the Word of God through listening, reading, and assiduous meditation. So it starts right here. It starts in prayer. It starts in engaging our Lord. It starts in hearing the Word of God and putting it into practice. That's how we will become the brother, the sister, the mother of our Lord, as our Lord himself stated. The most profound interpretation. You know what? You are going to give Scripture its most profound interpretation when you hear the Word of God and put it into practice. So if you hear the Word of God and you say, you know, um, if you hear the, a passage of Scripture that says, come follow me, and then you follow our Lord, you're interpreting Scripture with your, with your entire life. If you are the, um, if you have sinned, and we all sin every day, and we, we read the, 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 the parable of the prodigal son, and we see ourselves as the prodigal son, and we come back to the house of the father through the sacrament of penance by saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, which is the words, the very words of the prodigal son. We will have interpreted scripture in the most authentic form because we will have played the role of the prodigal son in being contrite for our sins, just like he was after he reflected and he saw that what he had done was terrible, but that his father would forgive him. And then he was even surprised by how much his father was good to him and liberally you know showed that through the the hug the symphony the sandals the calf the fatted calf you know the party the whole thing the ring that's a profound interpretation of scripture because it's happening now today in my life it's being repeated or actually not repeated it's being lived for the first time in me there's something new in the world today when I listen to Scripture and I put it into practice. That's beautiful. And that's what we ask of our Lord in this time of prayer, in our resolutions. But, you know, I, I don't know what your resolutions were for New Year's. Um, the Wall Street Journal has a piece on losing weight, <laughs> of, you know, how to lose weight. Lose weight, but don't damage your knees, it says. You know, do exercise, but um, 
make sure you strengthen your core, things like that. But the question is, okay, well, let's strengthen our core. What is our core? Our core is Jesus Christ. The core of my faith, the core of my heart is Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? Maybe to strengthen our core, our real core, the core that makes us profoundly divine and profoundly human, is to make a resolution to read Scripture every day. Even if it's just one line of Scripture, I dare say that will change your life. Just one line. But you can read more than a line. We can all read more than a line. Maybe ten minutes, five minutes, even five minutes a day. Whatever it is, whatever you can give, it starts there. It starts by comparing our Lord's life with my life. His way of being God calls me out of my comfort zone, puts into crisis my own comfort-seeking and comfort zone, and actually then I'm scared. There's always fear whenever our Lord approaches someone. But he always says, do not be afraid. It is I, do not be afraid, and come and walk on water. And then we feel like we are walking on water. But we need to take that leap of faith. Lord, help me take the leap of faith. Because every day I can make many thousand little leaps of faith. Every day. Every single day. And that's what I need to work out today in my, in my, well, in this recollection. And it could be, you know, uh, something as simple as a resolution of reading the gospel every day. Or doing a little bit of mental prayer every single day. Just to, you know, set the direction of my life when I wake up in the morning uh, towards God. Because everything done in God is worthwhile. Everything done outside of God is not worthwhile. And the good news is that most, most things that I do in my day can be done with God and in God. And if Jesus cannot put his signature on a certain action or decision that I make, then it's probably not good. Probably sinful. Maybe that's the definition of what sin is. It's what he would never have done. And he did, a, he did so many things to show us that there are many, you know, he, he lived a regular life, but he did not sin. He was like us in everything but sin. Another um, little phrase that Pope Benedict has, or used to say many times, about the Incarnation is that if you don't give God, you give too little. He said, if you don't give God, you give too little. The best thing, the best thing we can give is God, and actually... For that, we need to have God. And the way we have God is by contemplating His Word and incarnating Him. And that comes through prayer, the sacraments, and then formation, so that we know how to act in the world the way Jesus would have acted.
If you don't give God, you give too little. Because other people are waiting to see that God who lives within us. And they're expecting that. And we have to show them God. Just like um, those Greek men that were going to the festival in St. John's Gospel, and they go to the apostles, Andrew and Philip, and they say to them, we want to see Jesus. And St. John Paul II, in one of his works called Novo Millennio Ineunte, at the beginning of the new millennium, he says Every, the whole world could be, could or should have the right to ask us the same question. Show us Jesus. Take us to Jesus. And then Andrew and Philip led those two Greek men to Jesus. And that's what really the paradigm of our life should be. We should lead them to Jesus. Because if we don't have God, we give too little. If we don't give Jesus, if we don't show Jesus, we, we don't show them anything worthwhile. And to show them Jesus doesn't mean we need to put on sandals and grow a beard and wear a tunic or something like that. We need to show them the, you know, the only sign by which he gave us, which he gave us, by which we would be known as his disciples. He didn't say, the, they will know you by the cross that you wear. They will know you by the t-shirt that, you know, it says, I am a disciple of Jesus. No. He said, they will know you by the love you have for one another. If you love one another, then people will say, ah, that's, that's the face of God. No one has ever seen God. Okay? But if we incarnate him in acts of charity, then we will be putting skin and flesh and bone to the God who lives within us. And people will be able to say, oh, now I, now I understand. Wow, that's God. And this is, comes almost directly out of the letter of St. John. No one has ever seen God, he says. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. You know, in this is love. In this, is, in this love is perfected in us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because he says, let us therefore love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his neighbor, he is a liar. For how can he love someone whom he does not see? And, you know, you can't see God. But the way you, you see God is by loving your neighbor, and he will see him in you as well. That could be our resolution as well. Making many, many acts of charity, first asking ourselves, what are other people's needs, and then come and meet them. Well, whatever they are, we turn to Mary as we end our first meditation today. And... And we ask her every single day in the Hail Holy Queen, actually, show unto us the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Basically, show us Jesus. And she does. And she does so by being so selfless and so caring for each one of us. Well, we can do the same. 
And if we do that, we will have incarnated our Lord and we, and he will look like us actually on the outside because people will see us only, but really it's our Lord's smile that's smiling through our teeth if we are united to him. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.